Well, welcome everybody to, as we are calling it, Season 2, Episode 1 of the Hockey Toolkit. I am Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And uh, we're kind of hoping it's going to be like The Office, where like the first season kind of... It took a little while to get going, but then uh, after I went to hit that second season, it just took off, and uh, they never looked back. Absolutely. It's like, uh, you know, Michael Scott was unlikable in the first season. You had to make him more likable. Yeah, they and, had to uh, put him in the 40-year-old virgin just to get him to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Trevor, we, we've worked out your kinks, and now you got to get more likable. you got to smile I know, more. I'm trying. I'm trying. That's for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we took a little bit of a, a little bit of a break. Uh, just some, you know, different odds and ends we'll hit into. But uh, you know, let's see where we're at now. Uh, you're currently working out of the office, so we can hear the uh, zamboni and the shots in the background. Yeah, it's nice to finally have ice back in this building. We, uh, you know, they take the ice out for a good portion of the summer, uh, and then they start to put it back in right before Labor Day and. Uh, the day after Labor Day was our first day on the ice, and we've you know been going at it ever since. And um, it's a great sheet of ice here in Laconia. I think it's one of the best in the state in terms of just the ice quality. So it's nice to nice to be back on the ice here in Laconia. And the teams are rocking and rolling. They started youth teams. Um, the, the Lake Region Youth Hockey started their their season last week. So uh, you know it's the, the, the rink's filling up again. How about yourself, Trevor? Uh, that's awesome. Um, right now, yeah, we've already, uh, our season's already going. Um, we are now in week, uh, well, we just got out of week two. We're going into week three, uh, with the, uh, the little guys, uh, the nine year olds. And, um, we're oh, uh, oh, two and one. Um, but that, that tie we, felt pretty good, though. Oh, it did. It did. We actually almost had another tie, but, uh, it, uh, we, we, we decided that we wanted to give up a couple, uh, you know, penalty kill, uh, basically a couple shorthanded goals against. So, but <laughs> I'd rather, rather learn those lessons now than in, uh, in playoffs. So the kids, uh, it's been fun so far. I mean, again, dropping down from an age group of, uh, you know, being at the midget level to now being with squirts. Um, definitely a different atmosphere. Um, but it's still hockey, you know, it's just still teaching it. So, um, it's been fun though so far. I, I can't complain about it. That's awesome. I, I actually think so. I'm last year I took a little more of a, a assistant coaching role with the, the program with my teams, and this year I'm coach head coaching a number of teams, and I'm um, I have my son Baron's team is Spartans uh, 2015s, and uh, that's been an adventure. You know, they actually today we had our, our skills night at down at Exeter, and then after practice. Uh, you know, Coach Trimble's back isn't feeling too great today, so I, I, <laughs> I, I canceled dry land, and the kids were all, like, uh, pissed off. My gosh, I've never seen kids so upset. They were like, oh, I wanted to be the leader today, and they were like, oh, oh. like, Mom, do we have to? Coach Trimble sucks. <laughs> they were like, this i never seen him so excited about dry land, which is, which is amazing, because, you know, you get to the older kids, and they're like, oh, get me out of here, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Hey, you're doing something right if the kids are enjoying that. That's for sure. Yeah, but, I, I uh, got to see. That's been like the biggest, it's been the most fun thing yet. Like, you know, obviously getting on the ice is fun with that group and you know, making it a fun experience for them. But we decided to do dry land for them. And, you know, we just do some ladders. I appoint a leader and they do some stretching and they do some, you know, basic calisthenics. So then uh, we'll spend about five minutes each at the end of each practice off the ice. I set up a rink with cones and we just do where you line up for the face off, where you 
Where do you pressure the puck in the D zone? Where your D zone positioning? We started to get into a little bit of forechecking, uh, and it's been pretty. It's been pretty awesome to see the kids kind of line up in the right spot. I know last year that took a took a long time to finally get that, and this year they're starting to get that for, by the first game. So it's exciting. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's that's the nice thing about being able to work with kids from one year to the next and to the next is because you get to build off that. Whereas as a coach, sometimes you got to walk in and you're, you're hoping that the, uh, the kids that whoever the coach was before, uh, actually was teaching them concepts that would relate to, you know, that I could, not myself, but any coach can build on for the next age group and the next level. So I've, uh, I found that some clubs it's hit or miss, but yeah, it's great that you guys are able to just continue to build on that. You know, what would you say in terms of the you know the, the biggest difference between might level where my kids are, are at this year and then going to the score level? What's the biggest difference you would see in the development of those athletes? You know, not just obviously they get bigger size wise, but what is what is the biggest jump you see? Um, you know, again, it's I still think it's squirts you can get away with. You know, you do get away with some kids that can just go coast to coast, but I feel like it's more of a you know, now you've really got to start playing the team game because kids are starting, especially when you get with that travel level, kids are starting to get a little bit more similar in skill. Yeah. Um, so when I, you know, what I've been seeing is that there's not a lot of the teams that we've played so far, there's not a lot of like difference between their top players and their bottom players. Um, like there is, a, I guess there isn't, a, isn't, but you don't really notice it as much in the middle of the game. Um, you know, the times that I, what I really see is, um, where am I going with this, Trevor? What I'm really seeing is just that, like, okay, teams are start, kids are starting to move the puck more. There's a little bit more organization. Um, you know, the minds are a little bit more hockey focus, like understanding concepts a little better. Um, and I think that's just something that obviously comes with maturity. Uh, so that's what I'm seeing right now. Um, at least understanding concepts, understanding, you know, a little bit more. Is it, you know, we're not teaching left wing lock here, but I mean, the kids are starting to understand how, okay, what is supporting the puck? What is spacing really? You know, that's a one, that's been a big one that we've been working on is just spacing. I've got kids that want to follow the play, like follow their teammates. Like, Hey, why don't you, you know, slide over. So I feel like those are the kind of things that are the bigger difference. Um, you know, size wise, as you said earlier, those are still pretty much the same. Um, you know, most kids are the same height and size. Uh, you might have a maybe one tall kid and one little kid here and there, but that's what I'm noticing. Uh, what about you, coach? Yeah, I would agree with that entirely. Um, you know, I noticed it in the, we do a thing in, in Massachusetts hockey, it's called the parody. And they do that, uh, in the spring before the season begins in, in August. Um, and where they'll take the teams and they'll, they'll play them through a weekend of games just to kind of see where they measure up against some other opponents. And I noticed, like you said, they're following the puck. That's why, you know, when we started to do our, our practices in August, uh, we wanted to get some positioning down because I wanted more pucks being funneled back to, into our players rather than, than just following or chasing the puck. Uh, and I, I would say that it's been been better that since the spring uh, and seeing that. But obviously, I could imagine in two years what that looks like when they really start to understand what they're doing. Right, right. Um, so I, I probably agree, I agree with you on that one for sure. 
And that again, that you know, that's the one thing I dislike about right now with Illinois hockey is that we're only allowed to be really be working with kids. You know, we we can pick our teams right before Labor Day uh, weekend, but we can't like I, you know, I know we're going to be playing teams from St. Louis that have already had their teams picked from June, yeah. and they're you know they've been working on things since June. Um, where my team, literally we've had, I think we counted it out when my assistant coach and I were sitting down just trying to figure out our season plan. And, um, we had like six practices, which is, which is a lot, but we've had like basically equated to like two weeks to like, you know, a week and a half of work. And then we just got thrown right in the fire with, you know, back to back games. And then we had a game, you know, this weekend. So it's like, we don't. We have the time. We have the ability, I guess, to go out and do those off ice things, um, you know. But it's like we didn't have a lot of time. And as you know, as a coach, like you've got to nail down a cer- you know certain things. You got to nail down quick, early, fast, and just often. And that's typically your own zone. Um, you know, once you can get out of your own zone. Then things are easier, but if you've got kids running around, like with their heads cut off, not in positioning or in within a position or playing defense, your season can go in a very bad direction right away quickly. Absolutely. I mean, I think a little bit, you know, we're in a similar boat because we get the ice in so late here comparative to a lot of other programs. Uh, you know, with my 16U team that I'm coaching here, it's just a split season team, so it's just in the fall. Yeah. Um, but I, we, we encountered the same thing. We had um, a couple dry lands. We had like two on-ice practices, maybe three, before our first showcase, which was uh, the United Tier 1 Hockey League showcase um, in like right after Labor Day. And you know, We only had like two on-ice practices. So, uh, you know, kids were going to the showcase like, Coach, what are we doing for power play? And it's like, guys, you know, 95% of the game is going to be five on five. So I'm going to focus on five on five right now because right. that's the issue. We actually, two out of three of the games, we didn't even have a power play. So... Um, right, right. <laughs> the kids all want to spend some time with. Oh, we gotta we gotta make sure we know what we're doing on our breakout for power play. It's like, well, we may not have them, but I know we're gonna be breaking out of our own end five on five. So let's get ready for that. Right. Oh, God, I mean, the easiest thing to do it with a power play breakout when you actually get them these days. Uh, if you're doing USA hockey is you just basically, th- I, what I would do is I would throw my left winger and be like, Hey, you're staying up near the blue line. And as yep. soon as the rest of the kids are coming up, then you can cut across and make space. And that's about it. <laughs> you know, there's nothing really magical to it right now. And again, that's at the younger ages, but no, we're sure at 16, you, you, they can really start to, you can draw things up and they can be like, okay, I get that. And they can go right. on the ice and execute reasonably well. Um, but still, like especially the end zone, I find that like, there's no continuity in their end zone. Uh, so it was you – know, we did have a, a power play, I think, on the weekend, and uh, we didn't score. <laughs> but that was fine because I, I was focused more on the five-on-five. Funny story. Uh, there's a team I've, – I've since found out that there's actually coaches that I know that listen to this now that are within my own program, so I need to be careful what I say. Um, but uh, I know we brought it up last year. Uh, last season, but the team that I had, I think we worked on the power play, uh, a cumulative, maybe total, I don't know, 30 minutes total the whole season, like 45 on the ice, just because we had so much other stuff, um, where I would show up for another team's, you know, before us and they'd be one of the older teams, uh, a couple, like a year younger than us, but they'd spend like 30 minutes on their power play. 
We ended up scoring two less power play goals than on the entire season. And I spent 30 minutes compared to probably for them, I don't know, like f- almost like five hours, six, you know, <laughs> worth of practice time dedicated to it. So, I mean, for me, it's always been just find the, you know, odd, create odd man situations, small little odd man stuff. And, but I mean, that's, that's a topic for a different day. But what, uh, you know, I've been checking social, I'm always on social media. Uh, following the wolves and all that. Uh, supposedly, there's some big news I keep hearing about coming out here. Uh, when's that going to be released? I will, we're working. I, I, I appreciate that, Trevor. You're not letting the cat out of the bag. I appreciate right. that. And I'm not uh, asking for it because I don't know when this will come out and when you're announcing it. So We're teasing it along here, but we do have some, some big expansion opportunities and we're we're um, actively working together you know, to get really to do it right. So... Uh, I imagine within the next two to three weeks, we'll have a bigger announcement, but we really want to make sure that um, once we have everything tied together, that we can put a plan in place that really um, sets Lakes Region Hockey in this area on like a good path going forward. So we're excited about what's going on, but uh, it's not all, it's not, not all sealed up yet. we got to dot the I's and cross the T's. Completely understand. Like I said, I didn't want to, didn't want to do anything that would, uh, you know. Again, we don't want to tell everybody all the secrets yet, but uh, <laughs> and I didn't know where we were with it, so uh, I figured, hey, I might as well bring it up and ask. Um, but uh, so the teams are see, all teams are on the go now, right? So you got your premier, your top team, your premier team. Uh, you said you got the what, eighteens uh, and sixteens going as well, or is yep. your premier teams the sixteens, right, or eighteens? Uh, well, our EHL Premier team is a younger team. It basically could be a, I think we have like one kid who's an 03, so the rest of the kids are, are U19, basically. Okay. Um, so that's a younger team to lead, but they're, they're off to a good start. They're 3 and 1. Our EHL team is 2 and 0. We go into a big showcase this weekend in Worcester, Mass. Um, that's like the first EHL, EHL Premier showcase of the year. So, um, that's always really well attended with a lot of colleges because it's in such a good location. There's, just in Worcester itself, there's like six colleges with all of the NCAA hockey programs, so um, all right around the rink. So it's it's really a great opportunity for our kids in our league to be seen by those schools and and uh, you know make their first introduction to some colleges. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then your head coach, and you said the sixteen, the basically your prep team, right? The mid season or like the just the short season team. Yes, I'm, I'm coaching head coaching the EHL Premier team. And then I'm head coaching the 16s team. Okay. <laughs> and then and then I'm coaching the uh, the juggernaut known as the 2015 Seacoast Spartans. My son Baron's team. Oh, there wow! You know. Wow! <laughs> they are they are something special. <laughs> the kids you are know, great though. The kid, I mean, the kids are awesome. I got George. I got Grayson. I got uh, I got Baron. I got I got uh, Ben. I got Logan. Uh, one kid, Kanan. He told me last year he was on the elites last year. Last year, like, I hope you know, I was on the elites last year. <laughs> uh, on like another whatever it was, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, it's just funny. Kids, they're great. And that's what I like about the younger ages is they say some of the funniest stuff um, without even realizing it. And the older kids, they try to be funny sometimes, and you're like, you're it's just not working out here, but just. <laughs> Just stop, but um, so yeah, I mean, so outside of those things, uh, you know, I think one of the topic, well, one big topic I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, for today's episode, just kind of getting back into things because I think it's important with so many different areas. Well, 
let me rephrase this. It's important for life in general, but as this is a hockey podcast, um, I think it's important for so many different people involved um, within the sport, and that is mental health. Um, and, you know, the big thing is, and one reason why we took a little bit of a breather was, uh, I mean, for my own sake, uh, my own sake, uh, just going through some stuff, um, that I personally have, you know, no issue talking about. Um, but, you know, from a standpoint, I, I think it's, before we, you know, really dive into that, I think it's one thing that's really overlooked. I mean, we've got... We do have USA Hockey has Safe Sport out, which does. I don't know if you had to renew yours. I think we talked about that earlier. You had to do yours what for last season? Yep. Yeah. So I'm up, up to date now. No, that's good <laughs> to know. Yeah, I, and I didn't realize I had to, like I thought mine was just a refresher. Where no, I had to redo the entire thing. Um, it's got its good goods and its bads. Sure. Um, you know, but I still don't think there was enough on mental health for. Not only, again, we're talking about players with, you know, typically safe sport, but, um, you know, I think this is a good thing to kind of talk about because mental health will affect players, everybody differently, whether it's coaches, whether it's referees, whether it's hockey directors, whether it's players, and it, it can happen at any point, any point of time uh, throughout a season. I mean, for sure, I know at this point, you know, most teams are already most everywhere has already had their teams picked. So you know there's kids that have gone through some type of, you know, depressive state, some types of anxiety, um, you know, sad, you know, just overall sadness and stuff like that. Um, you know, again, for myself as a coach, I love tryout season, but I hate tryout season because, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, I get anxious. I'm like, you know, am I making the right call taking this kid? Um, you know, and you get stressed and my, you know, and so I think it's something that's often overlooked, you know, the whole, like, oh, we know players are nervous, this and that, but like, what does that really mean during the tryout period? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, nowadays there's so many angles which parents and, and outside influences are coming at kids. It creates a lot of pressure for a kid that you're, you know, when you're playing hockey, hockey can be just that. That breath of fresh air when you leave school at the end of a long day where you're looking forward. You're just getting through the day just to get to hockey practice. And if anybody kind of like throws off that hockey, whether it's a, you know, a, uh, you know, a coach who maybe has some old school methods or like uh, an advisor or a girlfriend or things like that, like it can really, really impact that relationship between player and sport. And the player and sport relationship should be really pure, I think, you know, where like, you know, you love the game and you're playing for the love of the game and you're working towards a specific goal within that game. And it can be really difficult to navigate those waters, especially if you're, you know, you know, a 16, 17, 18 year old kid, um, you know, growing up in the game. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a more complicated issue than people really even realize. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, I mean, kind of dive into it. Like, so for me growing up, um, always, we always knew that I had some type of anxiety disorder um longest time though i mean i was eventually diagnosed with ocd obsessive compulsive disorder um you know i've been through the gamut of it i've been through the except for the cleaning one uh you know not to make light of it but uh 
I mean, I did the hand washing for a while. I did the, I mean, consistent worrying, stuff like that. Um, and that's followed me my whole life. Um, but I remember it really kind of, it really hit its flare back up when I was in, you know, sophomore year of high school. Um, but even before that, like the anxiety levels were just so high before games and stuff. And I was at an age where I like, I didn't know what to do. And back then, I mean, we're talking 2000, what, 2004. I mean, just the amount of stuff we've learned since then is amazing. But, um, you know, you, you go through this and, you know, you're sitting there going, am I going crazy? You know, what, why am I having anxiety attacks? Why am I having panic attacks? And then, you know, with OCD, you're worrying about other stupid shit. And it took a long time to, you know, learn. Um, and sometimes hockey wasn't the escape for me. Like it was, but then it wasn't. Um, but when it was that escape, I mean, you step on the ice and you just feel like completely free. Um, and you know, everything just like away from the rink, like basically turn the volume down from like 11 to basically like a two or a three. Um, and I think sometimes as coaches, we, we forget that, you know, and I'm just using my own playing experience with that is, you know, yeah, you said you get some old school coaches, let's call it like they are some real jackasses who just come out and start screaming and yelling and, you know, all of a sudden now your flare, you know, your anxiety's kicked up, your stress is kicked up, you know, for me, my OCD kicks up, um, you know, and that's not a fun situation to be in. And I think that's, um, you know, something for coaches out there, or directors, or even parents, like, be mindful of that, where when you're showing up to the rink, like, and even I've caught myself as a coach, sitting there going, you know, you know, oh, yeah, had a crappy day at work, or whatever, or this isn't going my way, that's not going my way, you know, just personal life, but when I come to the rink, I can't bring that in the doors with me, because I don't know what Jimmy's going through, I don't know what Johnny's going through, like, I don't know... I need to make this the most fun time of their day that they have. Um, which again, you know, it's about making it fun. So from that standpoint, you know, I really wish there were more outlets for players and their mental health and more discussions about it where I still feel like it's just like kind of one of those things where people don't talk about it enough with players. I agree. You know, I said, um, I always have a coaches meeting or coaches that'll, uh, call prior to my summer camps and I always say to the coaches that um, this could be the highlight of the kids summer you know that coming coming for the, the five days they're going to be at scoring concepts hockey camps um, that could be the highlight of their summer um, every kid comes from a different financial background they, they come from a different experience with their hockey careers and we want to make an experience where they are super excited they're gonna work hard they're gonna sweat they're gonna be tired at the end of the camp but like and it's going to be a tough week when they get to Wednesday. They're going to be like dragging, but like, <laughs> but but you got to push through, and that's why we make pizza party on, on Wednesday, and we have like Thursday. They look forward to the game on Friday, and um, you have to do things to alleviate the stress and tension of everyday life when you focus on the enjoyment of the sport. And and I think um, there's a lot of ways that you can do it as a coach, um, but you always have to keep those that thing in mind that. Not every one of the kids you're going to interact is going to be an NHL player. Not every kid that you interact with is going to be a college player. Not every kid that you interact with is even going to play next season. But if you are the co- if you are their last coach, you probably did something wrong. You want to be the coach that pushes them onto another player, another coach. Excuse me. No, um, absolutely. Because because they they have they've had a good experience with you, 
and they want to continue playing. Don't be the, the player's last coach. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny you say, you know, you said that with the camps and stuff to your coaches. And it's similar, but it's not, but it's similar is that I remember when I was in, I don't know, middle school, I, I went out for the school play or whatever, right? Because uh, I thought that's where all the girls would be. Um, and I was right, but he's <laughs> not, not for Trevor. Uh, anyhow, so <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I remember just the, you know, the, the drama teacher, whoever was teaching the, you know, whoever was running the school play that year, uh, you know, she said something that really stuck with me for like the longest time with just, you know, anything was like, basically it was, you know, there might be some, somebody in the back, you know, I, th- I forgot she said like maybe some little old lady who, you know, this is what she's been looking forward to for the last two months or whatever <coughs> long and, you know, she's paid her $5 to come and watch this. Like, basically, it was like, do it for her. Give her the best performance or give them the best performance you can. Because, again, as you said, like, we don't know what people are going through. We don't know financially what they're going through. But for that brief time, that week of hockey camp, this season, you know, that hour of, you know, three days a week, those three hours, you know, over the course of the week, like that might be the one escape someone has from whatever their reality is, whatever's drowning that out. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I, I remember being a kid at Cornell hockey camp. I probably was like 10, 11 years old. I went with uh, one of my friends, Jim Fagan. And um, I remember going there and they used a lot of their, their NCAA players as coaches and counselors. And I remember, um, Joe Neuendijk attended the camp. Like he came for a day because he was That's a Cornell awesome. alum. And I mean, but I, I still had the autograph puck from Joe Neuendijk, but I, he wasn't the person that made the biggest impact. The biggest impact was this guy, Jason Daly was his name. Uh, he was from Buffalo. We talked a little bit about it. He was on their NCAA team and I probably was, you know, 11 years old and he's a 22 year old guy or whatever. And I remember I, I uh, my mom said on the way home, I said, like, God, Coach Daly was really awesome. And, and he sat with me one day and had lunch, and he had a little bit of an interest in just having a conversation with me. And um, I wrote him a letter during the season and mailed it up to Cornell. And uh, I follow. I remember following him, like uh, you know, when, when they would play Princeton. Princeton played Cornell, and my dad would take me to Princeton games. Um, just had a, you know, he made an impact. Um, and that that's just because he had lunch with a kid. That's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. I mean. Literally, he made your week, and not totally. only that, your week, but like for that next season or however long you've been stalking him since. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I really think that, and I, that's why I've been always a big proponent of, you know, kids that are on bubble, like the bubble players. You know, I want to make sure that again, like this season, it was tough because they were scored, so you don't really, you don't really talk to them too much, but you talk to the parents, but. You know, it's to me, it was always really important to leave feedback. And I know there's a lot of coaches out there that are just like, oh, I'll pick my team. And even the bubble kids, like, I won't even talk to, like, I won't give them any information. And I'm like, that's such a shitty move. And I'm, I'm of the, you know what? At least I know I'll feel better. Not only by myself, but at least I'm doing something for the kid where, like, hey, this is what, you know, to the parents this year, I wrote like, I think four emails and I said, this is what, you know, was, you know, Kid worked hard during tryouts. These are the things that I'd like to see them improve on this year. You know, I will see you around the rink. I'll, you know, I'll try and catch a game or two, this or that. 
where, I mean, at least give them something. Now, again, younger kids, nine-year-olds, I, I don't, they may care, but most of them probably don't. But when you got, like, those older kids, those 16, 17, 18-year-olds, you know, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, whatever you're dealing, working with, like, giving them some type of feedback, talking to them, letting them, like, listening to them, like, I think that's huge. And I, I think that as coaches, we don't – I think – a lot of the newer coaches, new age coaches do that, but I think a lot of the older school coaches, they just, it, 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 that's why you see so many phasing out. I mean, here, let's use a perfect example of what is appropriate, what's not appropriate. How about good old Mike Babcock over there? Yeah, that's wild. The whole thing, I actually listened to that on the way home from Barron's uh, practice, the, the, the recent Spitting Chicklets with uh, Chris Chelios on it, and it's, uh, it's just, his behavior is so, embarrassing like it's like what are you doing dude you know what are you doing you just got done getting kicked out of basically toronto for almost the same shit you've got a reputation from detroit and and again i was up for um the coach's site up in uh you know up in ann arbor he was up there him and elliot friedman and they gave this great interview and i was just like wow you know this guy might be you know, misunderstood. No, in really, in reality, I was the one who's misunderstood because he, it, what a jackass. You know, like. Well, they said that too on the spit and chicken thing. They said that he has enough people where he can bend their ear, like that he influences, where he can kind of always kind of polish his his image, uh, and he's a good writer, and he can kind of like do things like that. But at his core, that's it, it, him. That's the he is the guy who does these greasy things and. Uh, makes people uncomfortable and, and embarrasses people and singles people out like that. And it, it's just unprofessional. No, and again, I mean, when it, when it first news broke, and again, you get you get your bits and pieces of it. Like I could understand if a coach came in, a new coach, a guy like Mike Babcock, who wants to you know start fresh. He's getting this great opportunity, and he wants to introduce himself to every player. And he's, you know, he goes in ahead of time and just says, "Hey, everybody, you know, bring a family on, you know, bring a picture on your phone of your family or what's important to you, and I'm going to show you mine, you know, and, and use it as something like, hey, you know what, you know, this is what I, this is what I work for to make these people happy. Like, you know, tell me about your son or tell me about your daughter. How long you been, you know, married with your wife, this or that, or how'd you guys meet? Like, try to build that personal connection. Like, that's what I was hoping it was about. Yes. Not like, okay, let's start going through people's phones. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got the younger guys who God only knows what's on their phones. And, you know, like, that's just like 100%, you know, like inappropriate, like, come on, like, you couldn't have ran that by a single person and before you did it. And to me, again, that's just so how certain people are just so out of touch with reality nowadays and society. Absolutely. And, and they, they mentioned that on the podcast too, on that on Fit and Chicklets. They said, you know, if you, if your intentions were really to get to know every kid on, or every player on the team, you can just, you know, utilize their, their social media and say, Oh, where is this picture taken? Where is this from? Tell me about this scenario where this was. Oh, you got you got married. Tell me about some of the pictures here. Like you, you could utilize the stuff that's available to the public and that everybody sees. But he didn't do that. He was doing. He was basically going into your house, going into your sock drawer and looking for stuff. Right. And again, that just you know, again, I was hoping that it was something that was not giving the sport a black eye. Um, 
And I feel bad for those players that the younger players that got put in the spot because again, it's no different than with the shit that he pulled up in Toronto with Mariner, where he's like, you know, oh yeah, tell me what players you think are you know aren't working hard enough, and then he goes off and reads that list in front of the entire team. Like, I can't even imagine the stress, the anxiety, the depression, the just just the overall awful feeling. You know, Mitch is feeling because he's trusting here. He's got the trust of his, he thinks of his coach, um, going through some exercise, which honestly, why are you even asking him anyways? He's not part of your leadership core. He's a fucking rookie. And then you got him going off and like, oh, hey, guys, this is what your teammate thinks of you. <laughs> like, yeah, it's wild. It's wild. So, I mean, to, to back it into the you know, whole mental health thing. So, for myself, um, it ebbs and flows for me. So, um, I, you know, stress comes, you know, sometimes basically, as I like to say now, once the pot kind of tips over, everything boils over, that's when my OCD flares up and, um, you know, I'm not afraid to admit that because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. That, that happened a couple of weeks ago and we, uh, we took a little bit of a break here, uh, just cause I had to get my head kind of screwed on a little bit more straight. Um, but for me, a lot of it stress was, you know, work, uh, just relationships outside of work, um, life in general. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, hockey, we had, we had tryouts going on. We had, um, you know, just getting that all trying to, you know, figured out there. Um, you know, and it's, uh, one of those things where, you know, as a coach, I think, you know, it's important even as a coach, just as a regular human being, but, do you know do check-ins with yourself once a week like see where you're at write down i mean there's so many different things you can do but don't let that stuff bottle you up um so when we were up in ann arbor i'm gonna forget her name i'll look it up later um i know i talked about her when i did a review but she was talking about how you know men you know right now like the biggest like What's killing men between, I forgot what ages, but basically our age group, you know, even though you and I are a little different in ages, but within that age range, like the biggest thing that is just killing men is just stre- basically stress to some type of mental health disorder going into basically like just harming yourself. Um, and that's scary to think about as a society, um, that, you know, that that's what's, that's a terrible position for us as a society, like for us to be in. I don't, again, I don't think we do enough, um, for mental health and I'm not sitting here, you know, trying to beat a drum or anything, but it, it, I guess my point is for anyone out there that is suffering from any type of, and whether you're male, female, you know, you player, coach, you know, parent, whatever, don't be afraid to seek help. Like it's, you know, for myself, I've been doing therapy for since I was a kid, but, you know, specialized therapy for OCD for a long time. And, you know, I think the stigma, I think is kind of late, is, is slowly really coming down, um, on it. But I think it's still one of those things where there's, is still a stigma on it. And I think that, you know, it's something that, people feel like, oh, I'm too busy for this. or I'm too busy. I can't, I can't do that. Like you got to take care of yourself first because if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of whether it's your family, your job. I mean, a hockey team, stuff like that. So, you know, a podcast, it's tough. Um, so again, I guess I, to kind of wrap that up, it's more or less for anyone that's out there that's really kind of suffering, definitely look into finding that help. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, 
it's never there's never too late to get help. Um, and there it is out there. Absolutely, Trevor. And I, I think that you brought up some really great points, and um, you know, it takes a lot of courage to talk about a lot of these things. And I, I applaud you for for all that. And uh, I think as as leaders and coaches and teammates of, of players who are dealing with you know some of these similar issues, which you know, everybody at a certain point in their life will will deal with some of these issues. Um, I think you know you have to you have to recognize some of them, and and you know you have to do your best to. Be good leaders, and 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 part of being a good leader is being a good teammate, being a person you can talk to and confide in, and uh, the opposite of what Mike Babcock is showing for sure. <laughs> right. But you know, I, I read Mark Messier's book probably two or three summers ago, and he talked about one of the things that he used to do for players when they were traded to the team to make them feel comforted was he would. Um, he would buy him a, a new suit. You know, they would be on the road and he'd buy him a new suit and be waiting for him in their stall. Like he would get that information from whether it be the traveling secretary or George Costanza, whoever would provide <laughs> that information. But he would, he would get that information and wow, you walk into that locker room and, 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 and you have some, you know, a heartfelt gift that's personally made for you. That makes a big difference. Holy smokes. And, uh, he also said that they got rid of a big table they had in the middle of the Rangers dressing room. Uh, so that he could see everybody and make a connection with everybody in the room. So there was less clicks and people like congregating together, but he, he could, you know, feel the temperature of that room more. And, uh, after reading that book, you know, we, we've tried to make here certainly. Basically we have to here, we've had to re-edit because we thought it would be appropriate to keep names and, um, player names and teams and such, uh, you know, just anonymous. So, Okay. Coach Trimble was talking about a player that they got within the last couple of years um, who had come from another club. Yes, and he came to us uh, probably in, in, in October of a couple of years ago. And um, he came in and walked in the building. He was a wounded puppy. He had a really tough experience at that previous club, mostly related to housing and some of his teammates. Uh, but he trusted his brother who was playing in our program. So he came here to get that ex- experience of playing you know, high level of hockey, but also he had the confines of, and the support of his brother. Uh, but I made sure that when he came in the rink, we had all his gear was waiting for him. So when he came up to the office, he had his own, his own, his jersey, his socks, his gloves, everything was waiting for him. And he could just pick it up in one fell swoop. And you could see that his kind of face lit up because it was like, these people are thinking about me. They give a shit. They care about me. That's fucking awesome. And when now he's been on our program for, for, for three years, he went from the 15s to he was the top defenseman prospect in the EHL premiere last year. Now he's on our EHL team. And that kid, I got to tell you, he uh, he's a great kid. He's a hard worker. Uh, I think he's going to be a top college player one day. Um, whatever level he plays at, but he'll be a – whatever college recruits him, he's going to be a player that is going to be an integral part of their locker room because he's, 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 he's got something special about him. That's fantastic, Coach. I mean, and again, that's – that's our jobs as leaders, whether, again, whatever we're doing, whether it's hockey, work, whatever, you know, that's our job as leaders is to try and make people feel, you know, just comfortable, excited to be like, just be appreciated to be known, you know, um, you know, especially the, I love that Messier stuff. Actually, I, I forgot that he wrote, cause I thought you were about to talk about, he bought someone a suit and then, you know, cause his mantra was always, if you look good, you feel good, you play good. <laughs> and I got that from his, his biography that he wrote probably back in the late or early 2000s. Um, <laughs> when they talked about when they won the cup, but, uh, 
No, I mean, I think that's what's most important. I mean, reach out. You know, I think it's important. You know, every time I'm on the ice, I try to connect with each kid um, and make sure, like, hey, just how's it going? How's your day? You know, what's up? Or how's this sport going? Or how's that going? You know, just whatever. Just so, like, they feel like, oh, hey, coach, coach took a you know, notice to me. Because I remember playing on teams where the coach <laughs> couldn't even care. Like, I, you know, half the time I'd be in his way because I'm sitting on the bench waiting for my next shift, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I think that's important to do. Um, and I think it's important to have those, again, like I said, mental health check-ins with, I mean, to a certain extent, as you said, like, you know, players that are coming in, like, that's a great gesture. Like, I, I would love it to be coming from somewhere where I didn't maybe feel appreciated to now where I'm somewhere where I am appreciated. Like, I'm wanted here and I've got, you know, and as you said, you've seen the positivity that came from that and from the, you know, the transfer. Um, you know, that's, again, that's what we're. That's what the game's really, you know, that's what we should be about. Um, it shouldn't be about, you know, my kid's not, uh, didn't make this team or my kid's on the fourth line or my kid needs to get traded and go play tier two somewhere else or, you know, that type of, <laughs> <laughs> that type of shit. Um, it's not, you know, again, to each his own, but, um, again, that's where I've kind of been at, but, uh, but Trevor, with that, I couldn't agree with you more. Parents don't realize when you're in the thick of this thing, you think, oh, my kid is, uh, he's going to play for another 10 years. He's going to go through college. He's going to do this and that. But if your kid is 16, 17 years old, they're on the back end. They're on the back nine, you know? And it could be, it could be over in six months. It could be over in three years. It could be over in five years if you're lucky, but there's no guarantee in that. No, uh, it could be no. in, in a very so, small select fruit. It'll be over in 10 years. But, um, if you're in a situation and, you know, and you're a kid and you're in a good billet and you're enjoying and your team is successful, you're improving and getting better, don't, don't let other outside influences change that perspective. Like, you know, you could go somewhere else and have none of those things work out for you. So, yeah. like, what are we doing? Like, you really, like, you're, you're negatively impacting that kid's mental health because you're, because you're, you're, because you're, you're, you're putting too much stress and pressure on a situation and you're manifesting, um, negativity into that situation. So just let a kid play hockey. Let your kids play hockey. Let them improve. Let them go at their own rate. Uh, some will get better. Some will plateau, but that's life. Right. No, absolutely. And that's why I've always, you know, for the, you know, the younger, you know, the, when I was coaching the midgets, you know, that was the one thing I'd tell them is, you know, you got to advocate for yourself. Like you have, to, you're at that age now where you've got to be, you know, your own advocate. You know, it's fine that mom and dad are involved, and of course they need to be because you're still, you know, you're still technically, you know, you're a child, you're a teenager. But you know, if you you're curious why you didn't get this, you know, this certain ice time here, or you, what can you do to get move up this line or this or that, you know, go and talk to the coach. And again. You know, if the coach isn't going to give you an answer, a quality answer, then shame on them. And then you can escalate it to whatever the next person is. But, you know, as you say, when you get these outside influences and sometimes it is the parents, sometimes it's, you know, a friend of the parents, sometimes, you know, it's other coaches, it's a bullshit advisors, stuff like that. Um, you know, it's sometimes you just got to really talk to the kid, see what, the, you know, see what the player wants. Is the player having fun? Are they are they enjoying where they're at? Are they getting what they want? 
you know, and if a kid's absolutely miserable and that's affecting their mental health, then, then, then maybe, then it's time to look for a change. But if the, if you're not getting what you want for your player, but, and it's not affecting their mental health, but it's affecting yours, then it might be time for you to go and get yourself help, um, or figure it out a different scenario of, you know, whatever it is, a therapy, whether, you know, I don't know get a journal something i don't care but you know sometimes people just need to step back and again it's just that's how society is sadly um i think again i think we're making a lot of big changes but i think really the big point of my me talking about it was a i wanted to let everybody know why we had taken a little bit of a break uh b and i just it's just something i'm passionate about and i think it's uh i think it's important for everybody um because again as you said you know, at certain points, we're all going to go through stuff, and some of us are luckier than others. Um, but, you know, again, for me, if I can help one person out there, you know, just say, hey, you know what, I'm going through the throes of things, and I need to take a step back, then by all means, like, I'm happy. I agree 100%, Trevor. And I always say, like, to those kids, when they have that kind of information, taking a step back, or they want to detach themselves, uh, that's a time also to like evaluate yourself and maybe pull them back in. You know, if you're a coach and you're somebody who cares, don't let them get too far away, more than an arm's length, because they probably really need somebody to talk to. Yep. Maybe take them out for a cup of coffee. Don't make them come to practice, but maybe, hey, go get some lunch, go get a cup of coffee, make make them, uh, you know, make them feel part of something because it, 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 there's a bigger world out there than just the confines of the ice rink. Right, and that's you know you nailed on the head there. I mean, just you know, obviously you. As coaches, we have to be with safe sport. We've got to be appropriate. We make sure we're taking kids with another coach or something along those lines. But you know, yeah, making sure that you're checking in with them. And I, I, I can't say how much in the last three, four years I've heard from parents and other people within the hockey community all across the country of just how much leaders, coaches that have been put in charge of stuff have done things or not done things that have made things worse for a player's mental health and it it's it, that's why i'm like you know if you're gonna make me sit through this whole thing on what is and isn't hazing usa hockey let's toss in a little bit more about like how to identify players who are going through some mental health issues or what you can do about it because that's not in there that is not in there. What to do when a player says, if a player comes up to you and says, coach, I'm depressed or coach, I'm hurting myself. There's nothing in there that talks about that. There's not. And I think there has to be a recognition too that mental toughness is a muscle. And some kids, they don't, they haven't gone through certain situations in their life yet. So, so that first breakup with a girlfriend feels like the worst possible thing ever. Absolutely. So they don't, they don't know, but they have to, they have to go through that stuff in order to like, Oh, okay. This isn't the end of the world. There's going to be another girl down the road. There's going to be another relationship. Uh, so it, it's an evolving muscle, and if it's not exercised, then then you have to. It, it, there needs to be some kind of intervention where you can have that kind of level of communication that can help that kid through that process. Absolutely. I, uh, I guess. Uh, uh, are we get, Trevor? We should have. We should do a teaser here, though. We. What are some five myths you're looking forward to in season two? Five myths. Um, well, let's see here. Some five myths of season, season two, five myths. Let's see. Um, 
I think probably uh, five myths of college hockey. Okay, I like it. Um, five myths of advisors. Oh, I'm, I, you, you stole mine. I'm full send on that one. Ah, uh, yeah, I knew that one. Uh, I didn't mean to stay it from it, but uh, let's see what else. <laughs> probably, I would say. Um, and then I'll I'll just throw out one more. Uh, five myths of let's just say information. Five minutes. Okay, I like it. I'm gonna what go. Like, you, you're gonna go. You're gonna go. Fake news. Is that one of that Google. You know, just all the all the bullshit you can read on there. Yeah, Twitter. But how about you, Coach? What do you got? Sorry, I didn't mean to steal. No, it's all good. I, I do. I think we got a, a Southern hockey one coming up here. I okay. think we got five myths of you know what the growth of the game in Southern hockey is going to be a good one. But I also think five myths of you know private individual instruction, private training, and working with um, you know a private. Uh, Skills coach, we want to yep. get into that a little bit. Um, five myths of you know uh, team success we've talked about in team building, but I think we can dive a little bit more into some other you know resources that we have in terms of um, locker room culture could be a good one. Absolutely. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that you know are coming down in season two that I'm really excited about. And I, well, not only do you with the uh, the wolves have your own little. Uh, kind of secrets coming up here big news but i know that uh you and i have some big news that i think we're gonna have to wait another week to share um but uh it's gonna be some pretty big news about uh kind of where uh you know the focus of our attention will be with hockey and um with everything so i uh i don't want to ruin too much but some people might actually, if they listened carefully, I mean, they might have been able to code what I said. But uh, we got some <laughs> <laughs> we got some big news coming up ourselves here. But uh, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything quite yet. But no, I'm excited about where it's going to go. And I think our first season, uh, the, the hockey toolkit was a pretty fun one, and I think we got a lot out of it. And I, I thought the content got better every single time uh, we, we got together, and, and our guests are continuing to get better. So like. Uh, Excited for season two, season three, season four. Let's keep it going, buddy. We're going. We're taking this thing to the big leagues. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, I'm. Uh, thanks everybody for listening, for jumping back on the train, and uh, so I'm Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. All right. Stay safe and enjoy the hockey out there, folks.